0: Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I am one of the pastors at the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, this Friday, we're going to be having a Good Friday service with Victor Baptist Church, and I thought it'd be really fitting to have Ken Vickery, the pastor of Victor Baptist, on to talk about his history, his journey in the pastorate, and to tell the story of Victor Baptist Church, a pretty neat story about a church that's really been fundamental and foundational to the life of our community, life of Greer. Give this episode a listen. I hope you're encouraged by it, and I hope that you uh, join us on the Good Friday service this week at 6 p.m. at Victor Baptist Church. Welcome Ken. Hey. Again. Welcome again. again. Yeah. We just recorded for like five minutes and I, I did not hit the record button, so I'm an idiot. I'm a huh? huge idiot. That's why pretty much every time I record this, I always make a request if someone's listening and wants to produce the podcast for them to volunteer themselves there you go. so that we don't have these kinda of issues. Always opportunities to serve. That's right including making sure you hit the record button for me (laughs) um so ken and i are recording from barista alley so if you hear a little bit of ambient noise maybe some squeals here and there uh just know that we are um very cool and getting it done at barista alley so um ken it's a thursday what typically what do you what do your thursdays look like usually
1: uh it's kind of a wrap-up day for me um usually i'm done with my sermon by now but i'll Begin looking that over and getting all other teaching assignments together and just making sure i'm ready for sunday and and, then making any visits talking with folks uh, just so so just making sure when i'm i'm gone on thursday i'm I'm ready for sunday and then uh, i usually take friday off so any um, big plans this weekend uh, yeah, well, uh, my grandson's going to be in town, and uh, so hopefully I'll see him, and that'll be exciting. And then I think I'm going to have to cut my yard for the first time in the year, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> are, you, are you a riding lawnmower guy or a push mower guy? Oh, no, I'm a push. Oh, I'm yeah? Push. Yeah. Yeah, you guys stay in shape. Man, I, I ride. My grandpa gave me a riding lawnmower, and uh, I wear that thing out. So you're the guy that I laugh at
1: when I ride through the neighborhood and see the young guy on the riding mower.
0: That's right. I'm like half an acre, like <laughs> maybe half an acre. That's right. <clears throat> you know, I am millennial, so I grew up. I'm one of the snowflakes oh, okay. you know, of the snowflake generation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what, what fad, here, here's a surprise question for you. Okay. What fad or trend do you hope slash wish would come back? What thing do you wish would be in vogue once again?
1: Huh. Well, uh, bell-bottoms were pretty cool. Yeah? And I've heard they've kind of come back some, but, but, but that was pretty cool. I don't want leisure suits to come back. <laughs> uh, and, and you asked me earlier what those were, but those are those polyester suits in the 70s, so uh, I definitely don't want those to come back.
0: I can't imagine, like, you know, if, you have a, if you're wearing a polyester suit as a family on Easter Sunday in April. <laughs> that seems like it would be really, really hot. It was very hot,
1: Yeah. but it, at the time it seemed cool. Uh, I've got a Polaroid. Um, my mom has my dad, me, and my two younger brothers in blue leisure suits. She's in a blue dress, and we're all in white shoes. That I is mean, so good. all color coordinated, but um, they didn't last very long, and they've never come back. So. <laughs>
0: I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why, exactly. That's it for me. The fatter trend that I hope slash wish would come back would be fanny packs. Fanny packs. Just think about all of the things that you could carry in a fanny pack, you know? Uh, and people carry it a lot. Yeah.
1: And they've uh, they just really become bigger, and they call them backpacks. That's that's really what it, it is. Well, either
0: that or, like, everything that we would carry has been reduced to an iPhone. Like That's true. You know, you would typically have your camera. Yeah. I guess you're, I don't know. And the guys that have the little carrying cases
1: for their phones, those are the ones probably that used to do the fanny pack, That's so.
0: That's so true. Yeah, yeah. The same type who'd wear a fanny pack wears, yeah, doesn't use their pockets. They use the, yeah, the hip holster. I'm totally um, out of sorts right now because I, we got so far and we're pretty <laughs> much saying all yeah, the we same were, things we, we were, said a moment ago. So
1: yeah, we were strolling along there.
0: So anyway, thanks, Ken. Sorry about that. All right, all right, so um, you graduated from the Citadel, uh-huh. and we talked earlier uh, that that you should definitely wear a seersucker suit on Easter Sunday Mm -hmm. in honor of your Citadel heritage. Yeah. Just seems right. Um, But where are you from originally?
1: Grew up in Atlanta most of my life. Okay. I was born in Hartwell, Georgia. A little little town on the border coming towards South Carolina. But my dad moved there when I was about a year old uh, to Atlanta to find work and we stayed there ever since. So I kind of grew up in the thriving suburbs of Atlanta and DeKalb County near Stone Mountain that place so it was fun we, we had a good time
0: that's great and how did you end up at the Citadel
1: well I played sports in high school and baseball and basketball and really was praying Lord might give me an opportunity to play in college and the Citadel came knocking they needed a short stop so I ended up there to play baseball and really had no clue what I was getting into and it was a military college but that's about it, and um so that's how I ended up there
0: did you did you find yourself um i guess kind of growing into like loving the citadel, or was it something that you just kind of kind of white knuckled through the entire time like did you did you like ever get to the place where you like liked and enjoyed the structure I think so okay I, I mean I'm
1: kind of made up that way i I'm a list guy, I like structure, and um looking back on it now, I know it was the Lord's hand because if you'd asked me at 12 what I want to do, I would said I want to play pro ball, I'm 40, and then preach. Um, and just to get the opportunity to play and to see how God took me there, the church I ended up in and being mentored, uh, the people I met and their influence on my Christian walk. And then I met my wife there uh, right after I graduated, but it was at the church I was attending. Um, I just see God's hand all over it. So. Uh, Other than the first night when I had my head shaved and I was laying there on the pillow thinking, what have I done? Um, But I kind of grew into it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we get the the shaved head look now. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's kind of natural now. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a requirement, yeah.
0: So what church, um, did did you start working in a church right after graduating from the Citadel?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, I started attending East Cooper Baptist probably my sophomore year and uh, started talking to my pastor my senior year about seminary and the reality of going in the ministry was there. And so he encouraged me to hang around, do an internship. They needed a student pastor, but um, he just called it a youth pastoral intern. And so I um, thought, oh, this would be great. I can stay in Charleston and stay in the church I love and uh, get to work with um, Buster, who was the pastor and still is. And um, he's
0: been there over 30 years now, but it was just a great, great experience for me. That's amazing. Um, so did you go to seminary? Yes. In the, during that, Was it during that time? Was it after that time?
1: No, it was after. I stayed there three years, and it was an exciting time. I mean, the church was growing, and I went on, you know, as a youth intern. There was a full-time pastor and a secretary, and when I left, there were four full-time staff members. By that time, I was full-time, you know, three or four full-time secretaries. I mean, the church was just going through an extreme time of growth. Hmm. So it was really exciting to be a part of that. But after three years, um, I went to seminary at Beeson Divinity School at at Sanford University in Birmingham.
0: Okay. And then where after that?
1: That was it. Got my MDiv there and was working in a church there as an associate pastor and left Birmingham to go to Folly Beach Baptist. So I went back to Charleston. And pastor there uh, almost seven years,
0: and then did did you make the move from Folly Beach to Greer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about that.
1: Well, we had been there at, at Folly and was uh, we were homeschooling our kids, and it was a good experience. It was kind of tough, but we both had said, "Lord, if you want us to stay here for life, we will." But we were beginning to sense that He might move us. And so I kind of got an unsolicited call uh, from from Victor, um, a friend of mine had, had put my resume in and gave my name, and so and that kind of started the process. So I came to Victor. Um, I think my first Sunday was the first Sunday of June in 2002.
0: Oh wow! Okay.
1: Yeah. So Gosh. So this will so be 17 years. Yeah, that's amazing. It is.
0: That is <laughs> uncommon. I had man. no idea I would be here this long. That well, that's amazing. I mean, that that is so uncommon, and I think. Mm-hmm. such a a testimony of the Lord's grace to your mm-hmm. character and your steadfastness to be able to serve at a church for 17 years. Nobody does anything for 17 <laughs> <That's> years, <right. laughs> at least anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been
1: a blessing. I've been humbled by it. I mean, it's, it's had its ups and downs, but, I mean, uh, you know, we love the folks, and, and thankfully they love us, and God just has kept us there. You know, now that may change next month, but you know we're just plugging along, trying to be faithful, serve the Lord. Mm. So,
0: that's great. So, tell me a little bit about Victor. Um, Victor, it, it, if you're listening, in case you don't know, the building that they're in now is how many years old? Uh, it, we built it in '05. Okay. 2005. So we've been there, what, 14 years? And before that, you were. You were in the church building that's at the corner of what is that? It's Victor Street.
1: Hill Avenue um, and and um, was it South Line Street there or 101 right across the railroad tracks? It was a pretty huge building. They built that building. It was the actually the second building that Victor had. Um, Victor, just give you a little history. Was named after the big mill that was there called Victor Mill. It was a part of the JC, uh, J.P. Stevens Company. Uh, they had a number of mills, and it was a high-capacity mill, and so Victor, the lamb was given by the mill, so that's where he got its name, Victor, and the first little church built there in that little triangle uh, was in 1899, and so they were in a in kind of a wooden building, and then in um, World War II, um, they uh, built that building that's there on that corner, and then added on to it in the 70s, I think. And so when we sold the building um, before we or as we moved, it was I mean it was like 36,000 square feet Good of grief. space, and we had a gym across the street and a softball field. Uh, the city bought that and turned it into Victor Park. Uh, kept kind of kept the name. And then we uh, eventually sold the other building. But um, that all started before I got there. The previous pastor before me had looked at the building and got some guys in there. And they realized you know, it's going to take a million dollars just to bring this up to where it needs to be. But we'll still be landlocked. We'll still have an old building. We'll still have all our parking across a five-lane road. And so, mm-hmm. so they acquired property. And, and so when I came, that had kind of started but had stopped. And so um, I was told that'd be five or six years down the road, but I kind of quickly realized if we don't build now, we probably won't. So uh, within a year of me getting there, we started, put a team together and started that process. And then uh, the building was built and we moved
0: in and I think April of 05. And so, you, you guys paid it off. Yeah. When did, when was that? I've seen the pictures uh, of your building. Yeah,
1: we paid it off in the fall of 2017. Man, that's great. So that was awesome. Yeah. You know, talking about a praise the Lord moment. At our Thanksgiving service, we announced it. And um, I, I wish we could had confetti fall because it was like <laughs> winning the national championship or something. You know, That's awesome. People were clapping and standing and, you know, just thanking the Lord. So that was a big burden.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so the, the original building, was it? Was it? Is it where the, the the current? I guess what is it now? Like a Hispanic Church of Christ? Yeah, is, yeah, that's who so we right, up buying. It. It, that's it, where the original building
1: was. Okay. and then they tore that down and built that building uh, in the '40s. And um, one of the fun stories about that time that I've heard is that because it was during the war, steel was hard to get. And so uh, one of our South Carolina senators was able to somehow commandeer some steel and bring it in on the railway. And they met at the railroad tracks right there about a half a block from the church. And he was there to kind of, you know, wave his hat to everybody. And they started building. That's you know, fantastic. Uh, yeah. So That's really cool.
0: Yeah. Now, it, it, these mill communities where, where these churches sort of spring up from, I mean, is it— um, did were there other churches like in the area who saw a need for a church in the middle community and so they planted that church or was it something that the 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 folks who ran the mill did they initiate the planting of these churches how did that work i think it was people
1: saw the need i mean i think originally the methodist and baptist kind of were together sharing a space at a, a y or somewhere like that and and so the pastors would come in alternating Sundays and preach, and then eventually each church kind of constituted and, and formed and then, then you know, started uh, building. So, and then I know Victor has had some plants from it, and then there was unfortunately a few splits from it as well over the years, because um, Victor at one point when the mill was running and the community was, was really thriving from the mill, um, it was a pretty large church um i mean i was told one of their big uh, big things was i think in the 50s they had a thousand in sunday school one sunday you know and uh i don't know where they put them all but you know uh, (laughs) but they were there yeah they were there but we've got some really cool pictures from back then these really long wide um wide lens pictures of like a men's sunday school class and there were like a hundred guys in it you know and so it's pretty cool
0: that's great yeah what you may have already said this what year did
1: victor constitute uh 1899
0: 1899
1: yeah so this year i guess is like 120 years oh yeah. yeah wow yeah so um i i did think about a little celebration but i think i'll wait till 125 yeah
0: yeah <laughs> what's the yeah yeah wait, that's pretty typical 125 isn't that kind yeah, of normal yeah well, i mean so? you
1: know some churches do home what they call homecoming every year but um you know we 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 Try not to do that. We try to make it bigger occasions, you know. And uh, Victor and the mill is a, a huge part of Greer. I mean, we're really close to downtown, and I know that's where you guys uh, plan, you know, plan and established, kind of got your name and, mm. and all. So, um, but, um, you know, it shut down. The mill shut down in the 70s. The mill building itself was rented out some, and then eventually they tore it down in the 2000s. And um, so it's it's completely gone today.
0: Yeah, I remember when they were tearing it down, um, Emily and I got our had our, had our engagement pictures taken in, in like the brick wall ruins of yeah, the Victor yeah, Mill, you know yeah. as they were tearing it down. Sure. Um, what are some interesting bits of Victor's history like what if there were uh, an interesting um, tidbit of trivia about Victor's huh. history? That's
1: a good question. I mean, because I, having been there so long and having come as pastor when we were in the previous building, I've gotten to hear a lot of stories. And so I think some of the tidbits, there was a pastor, probably the longest-tenured pastor, R.P. Lamb, was there 25 years. And oh, under wow. him, there was tremendous growth. Um, and so people like to tell funny stories of, as a kid, they got called down by Pastor Lamb in the service. <laughs> And so that meant when they got home, they got a spanking and maybe a spanking before they got home because mm. they embarrassed mom and dad, you know, and, uh, and they were acting out in church. And so those are kind of funny stories. Um, when we built, uh, there was a bell on top of the old church, even though there was a cupola on that old building and not a steeple. They still had a kind of a bell nest behind it. And so I had some of the older guys in the church that wanted to take the bell. And I kept thinking, well, why? It's a a bell, you know. And they they were like, well, we rang that as kids. Mm. And so the children's department would take turns and go up to the third floor, and there was a closet, and the rope for the bell came through that little closet. And guys would pull on it and ring the bell, and they'd scratch their name in the closet up there. And so some of them had their names in there from when they were kids. So uh, they ended up... You know, we ended up bringing the bell down there and just built a little, you know, kind of you've seen it, a little yeah. garden over there with like the bell. off to the left. Yeah, as and you're it's, pulling in. Yeah, and it's a huge bell. I didn't realize how big it was. I mean, but that thing was huge, and um, so so that's a that's a fun little story. To, yeah, you know, to hear about and and those guys, you know, thinking back to their childhood and um, I think part of the thing is back then, you know. I didn't grow up in that kind of community, and no. I, I doubt you did, And um, but they were unique because they were much like the mining towns. When I was in Birmingham, I had people in the church that grew up in mining camps, and, and so the mills were very similar. They had their own housing, and so people didn't own the homes originally, and so that's why some of the homes around the mill are two-story. The supervisors lived there. Other folks had the smaller homes that were just like you a know, bedroom or two bedrooms and, and, and a bath or an outhouse. Um, they had their own kind of, uh, coinage, you know, they would pay in in the mill dollar and you'd go to the company store and things like that. And eventually that changed, but it made for a tight knit community. They Mm. had a Y they had, there was a Victor elementary down there. And so the people that I've talked to who grew up just, I mean, had nothing but fond memories, Mm. you know, they felt safe, they felt loved. Um, you know they laughed at everybody knew everybody's business uh, mm. for good or bad mm-hmm. you know but uh it was um it was a it was a different time mm. than our time today mm. and and i i find some of them kind of mourn that loss um uh, but you know the lord you know we move forward mm. you know and so uh we have to re- recognize where we are today so and and we tend to glorify the past sometimes. Yeah you, yeah, you know, we we tend to remember the good things, not always the bad things. That's right. So.
0: Yeah, that that's good. Praise the Lord for Victor's legacy. And, well, let me ask you this real real quick before we finish. Uh, what's next for Victor? You know, if you got to beat the record, you got to beat twenty five years. <laughs> well, um, I, I think you know if, when we built the building,
1: we had a little slogan we came up with called a new vision, a new Victor. And what we wanted to do with that is to say, you know what? God's done great things in the past, but God has new things in store for us. So I think as we look ahead, that's my prayer. Mm. Our our vision statement is reaching a city to reach the world. And though we're still in the same community, that community's different. Greer's different. It's changed, but we want to be faithful to the gospel. And, you know, however that turns out Mm. and looks like, I want us to you know, adapt that and be faithful to that, um, you know, and I think just continue to realize God has us there, and as long as he has us there, then we want to be faithful to the gospel and reach out and uh, not only reach our immediate community, but reach our city and ultimately the world. And so that's, you know, that's what I see as we go forward.
0: Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we're looking forward to doing Good Friday with
1: you guys. Yeah, I'm super excited. We've done yeah. this a uh, couple of years now. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I've always really appreciated you guys hospitality towards us and your willingness yep. to sit and have coffee with a young clueless pastor sometimes
1: <laughs> it's been fun and uh I appreciate y'all's passion for the lord and desire to to plan and reach people because uh, you know the it takes all kinds of of churches you know
0: with mm. the gospel and uh, so that that's something we need to appreciate is our sister churches let's mm. right on right on well thanks for listening until next week